Greetings, Earthlings. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Neither do I. We're at the Writers' Festival, so that was a particularly unusual and strange way to start. Anyway, now you're in hysterics. <laughs> I'm just nervous. It's nervous hysterics because we're about to do an event together. Yeah, we are. <laughs> um, why don't you enlighten me? Okay, so uh, we're at the Sydney Writers' Festival and we're doing uh, an event called People of Letters. Normally, um, it's... Uh, it's a series of events called Women of Letters, where women read out letters that they've written to people or to situations or whatever. It's um, run by Marie Cardi and Michaela Maguire. And um, we're doing, we're reading out letters to each other yes. at this special event. The topic we were given was um, a letter to my other half. And very generously, they decided to put us together. And um, now the thing is, about the fact that we are now going to take this microphone um, thing, which Salesy has I bought the microphone. for once in her cotton picking life remembered into the event is because uh, Marika and Michaela have allowed us to do that, even though they have never allowed recording in these events ever before. So Salesy is having to smuggle this in, in a very uncomfortable portion of her anatomy. <laughs> That is not true. <laughs> um, and then to get out, it's going to be a little bit like the Shawshank Redemption. So yeah. have to sort of tunnel out for a Getting back. in is think the watch in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sorry. Nice. Um, yeah, so it was lovely. So thank you very much. Walken. Yeah. The best. Have you ever seen that dance sequence that he does? That does that extended dance sequence is that he does that through a hotel? Yeah. yeah, it's awesome. Oh, God, I could watch that. I know. Let's watch it now. Have we yeah, got time? Okay, let's, All right, let's watch it, it and All then. Right. Yeah. Um, but anyway, thanks very much to Marika and Michaela for allowing us to record. And as we said, it's never, it, it's a very important thing of theirs that they never allow recording because they like the people who participate to feel free to be frank and say whatever they like. So we've got this special dispensation. Um, so anyway, we hope you enjoy the sacrifice I'm about to make to get the gear inside. <laughs> That's not to say that the material won't be filthy. So stick around. <laughs> Are we on? Hello, good afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us here and for queuing up early enough to get into this session. Uh, my name's Michaela Maguire and I'm very pleased to welcome you to the third ever Sydney People of Letters show. Please give a very, very warm welcome to Lee and Annabelle. Hello everybody and dear crab. Recently, I've begun receiving a lot of correspondence addressed to both of us. Invitations, complaints, tweets to crying our hairstyles, even television viewing suggestions. You should watch the catering show on YouTube, emailed my friend Ben the other day. You and Crab will love it. Even an Easter picnic invitation arrived with the disclaimer, perhaps your friend Annabelle might like to come too. It's as if we've morphed into a double act, admittedly more Laverne and Shirley than Thelma and Louise, but a dynamic duo nonetheless. All of this makes what I'm about to say that little bit more awkward. I'm afraid it's time to tell you that we can no longer be friends. I know that may seem harsh. It may even be surprising or leave you with the same sort of bewildering numbness that all Australians felt when Michael Kroger cut adrift Peter Costello. But in much the same way that back in 2005, Paris Hilton and Nicole Ritchie parted ways, it's time for me also to share your private sex tape with a group of friends. 
Oh, I mean, sorry, explain why we can no longer hang out. Here's why my number two and number three best friends now have the opportunity to fight it out for the top spot. First, you are so funny that it's simply a matter of time until you cause me to pee my pants in public, <laughs> possibly even on national television. I don't mind when you're funny in print. Like the time when all of our ABC salaries were leaked and you wrote in your column that the whole excruciating episode had an upside, offering indisputable assistance on some nagging workplace etiquette issues, such as when sharing a coffee with Quentin Dempster, who should pick up the bill. <laughs> that was a close-run thing, but at least I was in the privacy of my own home. The problem is you selfishly keep causing me to burst into hysterics in places of considerably less convenience. Cinema lobbies, for example, such as the time we saw Fifty Shades of Grey, and you suggested afterwards that if you're going to make a bondage film for a mass general audience, you can really only have aspects of bondage, to borrow a concept from Andrew Lloyd Webber. <laughs> or in crowded restaurants, such as the time recently when we were stood up for lunch by one of our great literary heroes, and when we finally glumly opened the menus, you recommended that we order the bitter chicory of abandonment. <laughs> no. I'm afraid that as a woman of advancing years and receding pelvic floor control, <laughs> that I can no longer risk your company. Second, this little passive-aggressive competitive baking thing that we have going on has to stop. You show up at my place with a lemon curd meringue cake, and I show up at yours with a mixed berry hazelnut cake with toffee-dipped blueberries. You pop by with a banana caramel layer cake, forcing me to retaliate with chocolate plum and almond Paris breast. <laughs> Breaking point came when I swung by your place one morning recently with a pistachio and rosewater cream cake, and you airily plopped down a plate of store-bought jam fancies and Tim Tams and declared, I've not had any time for baking this week. I've been too busy sewing Easter bonnets for the children. <laughs> I see exactly where this is going, Crab, and if you think we're going into some sort of Halloween sew-off, where your three kids look exactly like Harry Potter, Hermione and Ron, and your dog wears some contraption that makes him convincingly look like he has three heads, you've got another thing coming. This final reason may be a little paranoid, but I have a niggling suspicion that you don't actually like it when I break into musical numbers and show tunes. When you were once moaning about having three columns to write and I burst into, in every job that's to be done there is an element of fun, find the fun and snap the job's a game. <laughs> there was... <clears throat> See, they love it, they love it. <laughs> there was an odd tightness to your smile. Another time when it was the 50th anniversary of The Sound of Music, I thought it would be lovely if we did a road trip together so you could hear me sing the entire soundtrack. <laughs> it did strike me as odd that you asked me to pull over somewhere just outside Katoomba because you were busting for a wee and then you never came back. <laughs> I assumed that you were so moved by my performance that you decided to do your own version of Climb Every Mountain, but it did give me a moment's pause. Actually, no, I think I really am being paranoid about the show tunes thing. Forget I mentioned it. There are only two reasons, after all, that we can no longer be friends. With fond, yet hopefully more distant regards, sales.
Hello. Your first revenge on me is to set this bloody thing to <laughs> six foot tall. <sighs> Dear Salesy, we've had a good run, old Bean. We've had a nice time, we've eaten some quality cake, and we've proved that there is a moderate listening audience for two 40-something women who once a week squeeze themselves into an ABC Utilities cupboard, piss themselves laughing for 35 minutes, including several actual snorts, and record it on their iPhone. If nothing else, we have established a new floor for media content, and that's, well, it's an achievement of sorts. But, and this is going to be a tough letter to write, I'm not sure we can still be friends. <laughs> In explaining why, I'm going to start with the hardest reason. It's the hardest one because I'm absolutely certain that you are sweetly unaware of the extent to which I really am not that into show tunes. <laughs> you see, when I told you I liked show tunes, I meant I liked show tunes in an ironic way. I meant that I liked cabaret and some of the catchier numbers in a chorus line. When you said you liked show tunes, how was I to know that what you meant was I am the actual reincarnation of Ethel Merman? <laughs> I not only know every show tune ever written, but I can accompany myself on the piano and given any excuse, I will. <laughs> I can relate any contemporary event breaking news story, emotional conundrum, or indeed menial household task back to some piece of musical theatre. And if you turn your back on me for a second, I'll have shimmied into a pair of leg warmers faster than you can say Sunday in the park with George. <laughs> Sales, how can I possibly have foreseen your vast and unquenchable need for performance opportunities? I'm haggardly familiar with the signs now. You'll remind me that it's the 50th anniversary of The Sound of Music. <laughs> or that someone's just written a new biography of Liza Minnelli. Or did I know that Chitty Chitty Bang Bang was first performed in Budapest on this date exactly 30 years ago? <laughs> You'll casually mention that the only free room you could find at the ABC to record our podcast was the Eugene Guzan's Hall. And when I get there, you're already seated at the grand piano. <laughs> Your eyes shining. You're like one of those dogs that's always got the leash in its mouth, pleading for walkies. For God's sake, your three-year-old son can sing all that jazz, <laughs> including Twinkle Fingers. But I can't go on playing Rex Harrison to your Audrey Hepburn. I adore you, but I sense that at any given time you're a heartbeat away from suggesting that we co-write a high-kicking mu political musical, and I just can't live with that kind of fear. <laughs> if we stay friends, I know with deadly certainty that upon retirement I will be required to join the Glebe community players with you and be involved in their production of Oh, What a Lovely War. <laughs> I can't do it, love. I'm out. And while we're having this tough conversation, I might as well say that another reason we're going to have to stop being friends is your relentless political bias. <laughs> I mean, you're always nice enough to me, 
but something happens to you when you sit in that 7.30 chair. <laughs> you get all, I don't know, woman-y. <laughs> kind of shrieky and interrupty and shrill and mean. And the worst thing is you're not even consistent. I've seen you be mean to everyone from Tony Abbott to that dear little chap who's now the leader of the Greens. That's quite a typical female trait, you know, indecisiveness. You wouldn't ever have got that with Kerry. I'm just saying this stuff because I'm being honest, all right? We could keep being friends if you were only just a little more, you know, forensic or something. Why else do we need to stop being friends? Well, for another thing, I don't think I can put up with your personal organisational skills anymore. Week after week, you email me at podcast time with a crisp list of all the fascinating erudite things you've read this week, while I vaguely cast about for something I've perused that isn't a Lego instruction book. I know for a fact you wrote your letter for this thing a full month ago. <laughs> while I'm hurriedly writing it now because the event is this afternoon, and in fact, indeed, now I'm in a taxi. And I was going to devote more time to it and make it funnier, but now it's the last minute, and so it'll just have to do. And I'm very tired, and that's why. And I cannot be around your super competence anymore. The final reason is pretty simple. You have a family of fairy wrens living out the back of your place. I've seen them there a bunch of times, flipping back and forth, gesticulating pertly with their little tails. <laughs> and you could not care less. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, fairy wrens, whatever. You, you say, whenever I, heart swelling, face a mask of treacly joy, exclaim about those little birds, seriously, what sort of a sociopath <laughs> remains unmoved by the fairy wren? <laughs> it is the most adorable bird in the world. So yeah, it's over, lady. Look, as a final gesture, I enclose your birthday present. <clears throat> your birthday was weeks ago. <laughs> I did get the present on time, and I was going to give it to you at the budget, but then I couldn't find any wrapping paper, and, oh, you know, here it is anyway. Thanks for all the memories. <laughs> Regretfully yours, Crab. Uh, now that you're not best friends anymore, I would just like to get in first and say that I am very happy to occupy both of these recently vacated roles. <laughs> Thank you very much.